And then I got excited about the fact that I had time. Right. And then I was like, oh my God, I've got time. And and oh my God, I never have to wake up at like three in the morning to make sure that I'm somewhere by six in the morning. That's so true. You know, so that was a whole experience. And then going to other people's morning dance parties and like not having to run it, like these were things I just didn't have time to do when I was like leading something. Mm -hmm. So... So that's been really fun, like actually, like like learning how to live a more decelerated life, being, yeah, just like having these periods where I do just go and like do nothing for yeah. a month. All this is not things that happen when you're running a, yeah. a, a, a thing. And I think we forget the, like I think sometimes we can look at people or some people would like look at me and be like, oh my God, but actually I didn't have a holiday for two years at some point. Letting go, holding on, letting go, always know exactly when to fall, Believe, letting go, always know exactly when to Hello and welcome to series two of Knowing When to Quit. It is great to have you back with us. This is the podcast where we explore how we navigate the difficult decision to bring things to a close. Today I'm talking to Sam Moyo. She is the founder of Morning Gloryville, a creative coach and consultant, and as of this summer, Shambhala's favourite cowgirl. If you haven't heard of Morning Gloryville, Sam set it up in 2013. And the invitation was to come at six in the morning to rave sober, which at the time was quite an unusual offer, but she turned it into a global movement. By the time it was the second birthday, they had Fatboy Slim headlining and hundreds of people gathering before work to have a huge dance. Morning Gloryville was a huge success. And yet, With any project of this size, there are going to be moments when founders like Sam question, is this still working? Is this still what I want to put my energy into? Is this sustainable? And we're going to hear from Sam about her journey with moving away from Morning Gloryville. Sam also shares about the importance of leaning into the fertile void, the time of nothingness that can come after you've finished with a project. And she's going to share how she got through that time after Morning Gloryville. We're also going to talk about place and location and knowing when to quit where you're living and to change things up. And also about the corporate world and changes that Sam would like to see in the way business is done. It's been a real honour to have Sam share her story today and I hope you enjoy the episode. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, you can buy us a coffee at www.kofi.com forward slash Sarah Wyler. Quid. Sam, it's lovely to have you on the podcast. And we, we thought we'd just kick off with like a list. You've made a list of things that you're currently currently trying to quit or what's what's the give us the title of this list so i've written a list of things that i am quitting and so 
Um, yeah, so jobs that require lots of screen time, that's number one. Binary thinking and binary living, so boring. We're so much more than like one box mm. um, tick. Um, in fact, I hate, um, I might also look like quit any box ticking exercises, <laughs> <laughs> any surveys or questionnaires that require me to like choose one box. Yeah. I'm just gonna surpass. You won't be able to go on any flights again because you won't be able to tick. I know, that's gonna be a really hard life, isn't it? Um, starting projects solo and I think this is something a lot of us freelancers have been doing and recognizing as well is actually I think I've done it enough times now that that's something I definitely want to quit so I'm opening myself up to finding collaborators who have shared visions and shared dreams of the world so that we can yeah birth things together um, looking for a handbook on how to live life now, this yeah, is something I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> doing. I keep expecting there to be some sort of handbook or like my older friends to have the answers or like for there to be like, I don't know, some sort of way of like how women to live. But yeah, it doesn't exist. And I've searched, I've searched <laughs> high and low, I've traveled the world um, and the handbook doesn't exist. So I'm gonna uh, give up uh, looking for this. Um, and the final thing I'd written, I mean, obviously there's more things, is trying to be PC when I'm just so un-PC. <laughs> um, Say more about that? Yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, because um, personally I just have so much awareness around, like, different communities and cultures and... Um, and I'm sensitive to different or to all these different communities and cultures um, sometimes I can be a little bit PC and stop myself from expressing and mm. saying things that I want to say and I think within that is that fear of cancel culture um, not necessarily fear of I mean in my case I'm not necessarily afraid of being cancelled by other people because let's face it that's happened plenty of times um, it's more like um, that internal voice inside me that's consistently cancelling myself out of fear mm. of um, hurting or um, yeah offending other people so um, that's something I really want to work on in the next year trying to not be so PC uh, when I'm just not PC. Yeah. I love the idea that you could say I got cancelled, and it was like, oh, who buy you? Like, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just cancelled myself. I just cancelled myself. <laughs> yeah, but how many times do yeah, you yeah, do yeah, that, yeah. you we know? Do. Like, um, you know, I notice it, and that's the whole thing with the inner critic and imposter syndrome, that's like us cancelling ourselves, mm. you know? And I think that when there are big conversations happening externally, like there is a massive conversation around cancel culture and like how we're all needing to like push through it because there's been enough of this, mm. like people not expressing themselves and not saying what they really feel out of fear of losing their friends and community and being trolled and all this sort of stuff. Um, but I think everything that happens externally is always something that we're all working through internally mm. as humans. So. Um, yeah. What's something on PC you've said or done recently? Golly, I that you've taken me off guard. Um, <laughs> something on PC I've said or done recently. 
Oh yeah, I think I was like having a conversation with someone I really love and respect, and she was like, "Oh, you should meet, you know, you should meet my dad or something." And then I was like, "Oh, amazing! I can't wait to meet him. Maybe he'll be my sugar daddy." <laughs> and, and and I just like it just came out of me. How did that go down? It felt, I felt like it was a joke, but I could also feel like a little bit of like, that's not what you say. No. And like, it's not funny. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impulse. Yeah. Just Im- impulse. impulse. Yeah, just followed an impulse. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And is there anything that's not on the list, Sam, that if you're really honest, you're also thinking about quitting? Yeah, I think I've been really trying to force myself to like live this fast-paced London lifestyle. Um and my body is just saying this isn't 100% you. Um however, as you know, I've gone and lived with indigenous tribes, I've like moved to Bali, I've like lived in Zimbabwe half my life, um and I was in Devon for 18 months during the pandemic. So I also know that le- leaving the city fully isn't 100% mm. me now. So I think one of the things I just really want to embrace is the fact that my body needs the sea, clean air and like just getting dirty in the mud, but it also needs the you know intellectual stimulation um and creativity that the city brings. So what I'm really looking at now is how do I um like really create an environment for my being to thrive mm-hmm. now that I'm really seeing this. Um and I haven't worked that out yet, um but I'm really like ah oh, wouldn't it be great if I had a tiny house like in Sussex somewhere walking distance from the ocean, you know that I'd be really happy with that, you know? Um and also a little place in London, you know? So is that possible, you know? Um, yeah, you were saying before we started recording that you felt like that had to be a decision either or and then you had this like, oh, maybe I can have both. Yeah, I think that's been the thing at what well, it's actually I won't put it on anyone else. I think that's been a really big thing for me is like even with my sexuality, like and my gender like everything like i've just always felt like i have to choose um but actually i've ended up pansexual because i love men women trans people like i do get with every type of soul you know gender wise yeah i sometimes tick the female box but sometimes i feel like i'm in my male energy more and sometimes i'm in that middle bit i'm gender fluid and i think with like life and living and career i'm always thinking oh i've got to do like now that i'm not doing this i should just do that but actually can i be an artist and an interfaith minister and do speaking and also do the odd consulting that does not require me to look at a screen for more than 20 hours a week yeah. um just putting it out there like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, i love yeah. that though because i love how in some areas of your life that non-binary natures now become really natural but yet when you were looking at where to live it suddenly became really binary again and it's it's like oh no wait a minute <laughs> you can apply it to anything i think what yeah totally i think what it is is like it's it was this internal voice again this internal thing of me feeling like i had to choose mm. and but that's based on like traditional 
ways of thinking and living. And I think one of the things we do like keep forgetting in this 2022 society is that we've inherited a lot of 1950s post-war like attitudes yes. and vibes around relationships and marriage and like all these shoulds you know all these things um way of living that were done in the 1950s but now we're in like 2022 things are different and we kind of like I think we're in a letting go process yeah. of all of that because I find myself sometimes being like oh my god why haven't I like bought a house why have I not you know why am I not married mm. or like oh you know um ah, oh, you know I should quote unquote mm. have a baby now and um yeah and all of this is like it's actually not me like I actually I don't really want a baby right now <laughs> like I yes, I wouldn't I be sleeping for like hours yeah. like it would actually cost me more and yeah I'm still well I haven't met anyone as well so I mean not that that stops people these days mm. which I also love um yeah. yeah but actually that's also interesting how there are a lot of us who are just paving this new way of living, yes. you know, um, and I'm yeah. I'm just going to say about the rule book because we we're, we're making it. Yeah, we're yeah, making yeah. A new one. Yeah. And you, you saying this about this before that you tend to be someone that sees what other people aren't seeing yet. Or like, how would you describe yourself in the way that you live your life? Like, would you say you're a trailblazer or? I think it's a bit arrogant for me to say that. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's okay because it's. Mm. Well, can I can I quote that you saying that you consider yourself a futurist? I really I'm just like keen to hear what that means for you in terms of your relationship to quitting as well. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I think I like a hundred. Well, it's not even I think I am a hundred percent a futurist in the sense that I do tend to because of my sensitivity start feeling into. Mm. Um, where the world is going or how like the collective is feeling and I tend to start reacting a lot sooner than people you might have noticed this in terms of my work that I put out and things like that like sometimes I'll put out a project or a question or something about three months six months before it comes into mass consciousness and it's not that I'm saying I'm psychic or anything <laughs> like that but um you know, it is, yeah, it's just a pattern of notice. And I guess in relationship to quitting, um, I can, like, sometimes I, you know, there is the question of, am I quitting too soon? Am I, you know, am I, did I Lexit too soon? Like, I remember... Lexit? It's a London exit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Have you not heard of the Lexit? Oh my God, the Lexit. Um, So, yeah, so it was 2020 when lockdown happened. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like, you know, like... You meant like quitting like a Londoner? Like, too late next thing? No, no, no. Like quitting London, Lexit, the exit of London. Like Brexit, but Lexit. Um, (laughs) I got the pun, I just... (laughs) Yeah. I was just saying yeah, if anyone else if anyone, anyone who might not have. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, like four or five weeks in, I was like, I'm not staying in London. I'm not putting up with this shit. Yeah. Like, why? This is just horrible. It feels like prison. And I, like, did... I mean, I hope this isn't illegal, what I did. <laughs> I think it might we'll have been, out, but... Find out, find out when the cops come knocking. Um, you don't know where you're living yet. So. Exactly. So they won't know where to find me. 
Um, so, um, yeah, so I just like, you know, phoned a friend and was like, what's the, you know, how is it down in Devon? What's it like? And she was like, oh my God, our, you know, everyone's like fallen out. Why don't you move here? Um, I've got a room available. And I was like, okay, amazing. And then I just moved. And I remember when I was moving from London to Devon during that time, a lot of people were like, don't move, like, what are you doing and everything. But actually, it was the best decision that I made. And then obviously, 700,000 other people realized that that was the best thing to do because there was more freedom, beauty, healing, um, in you know when we're closer to the natural world um, so yeah I guess that's one yeah. example yeah I mean, you talk um, about the trends as well like what was obviously you're the founder of Morning Gloryville like what was it you were seeing do you think before people when you set that up well I think well it's not even I think it's what was I experiencing you know um, I remember just like going to clubs and just feeling like there isn't a lot of care and love and clubbing mm-hmm. culture. Like I go there like to whatever fabric or whatever and I get like searched like I just don't feel like I'm being welcomed mm-hmm. when I arrive here. Like that was number one. Number two, obviously I was a massive caner, Captain Hello Titties. Everyone <laughs> knows about Captain Hello Titties, my alter ego back in the day. And yeah, and I guess I just wanted a space where I could do all the wild, colourful, fancy dress things, but minus all the things that were getting me high mm. and, you know, uh, leading to a very unsustainable way of life. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um yeah, so, you know, so Morning Gloryville really came from me just being like, you know, how can we redo this? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, one of the, like, real um, things that were sort of, like, really pushing me down this, like, route of creating and creativity and forming this concept was that alongside that I really was trying to stop drinking mm-hmm trying to stop taking drugs, having like mental health challenges, like, yeah, living this like weird liminal uh, life. And I remember NHS, I love the NHS so much. So this isn't a diss. My mum works for the NHS. So like really big respects. However, when it comes to mental health support and services, there was like a nine month waiting mm. list for support, you know, Um because I was stateless at the time, long story. Um, and it was like everything I was going to in terms of like wellness and well-being was really like, you know, om, shanti, mm. and like really earnest. Or sincere. Really yeah. sincere and earnest. And it also culturally didn't feel like I could relate to it culturally. Like yoga, obviously I love yoga and I really respect, yeah, I just really respect it basically, but at the time I just wasn't resonating Mm. with like five rhythm silent dancing and like all these um, yeah, all these like alternative arts, what I needed was a bloody club with my Mm. favourite DJs and like my favourite fucking people and all of us like really like having the best time of our lives in order for me to experience myself, you know, enjoying life and um, yeah, expressing, you know, soberly because AA was too boring. I'm sorry, but talking about alcohol when I was trying to stop drinking was making me want to drink. Yeah, yeah. So that was a whole situation. Um, yeah, so really, yeah, Morning Gloryville came out of like a personal need, but also that. something, and I think 
it, it was also something that a lot of people felt, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, but it had huge success, didn't it? Like, how many countries was it? Yeah. Cities. What, what? Yeah. So, I, like, what people don't realize is we actually spent like six months like talking about Morning Glory oh, really? Bill and only got twenty six ticket buyers to our first event. Wow. So, like, there was a lot of like work and build and like I remember like telling my friends about it and people just being like, "What? Like, this sounds crazy. What are you doing? Like." You know, there was a lot of that sort of thing and it really took a while to then come alive. I think what people then saw was then this thing like alive and mm. thought that that's how it started. That's really good to know though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. People starting things, like, especially if you're noticing a trend. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like really be patient. But also, even before coming up with that concept, there was like two years of me in pain being like, I really want something different, yeah. you know? Like, I really want something different. I really want something different. to say that though because so often we see the end result of an entrepreneur or like a you know we, we only see when it blows up mm. and we don't see that someone sat for two years working out what to do mm. and in, you know in the context of like we were talking before the podcast started recording in terms of transition times mm. like we have to be in the void for a bit mm. like and it's horrible oh. <laughs> it's so horrible but look what came out of that void for you mm. yeah, wow. yeah yeah but Ah, ow and wow. Yeah, ow and wow. Yeah. Um, like a real, I'm a strong believer in the fertile void yeah. and the fact that when when we think nothing is happening, a lot is happening. Hmm. And like this is the whole thing with magic and believing in magic. It's like, well, and quantum physics is like when you are sat there intensely looking for an answer or observing something or wanting something to work a certain way, it does not work. In order for magic to happen, we need to surrender off how it's going to happen mm. and just lean back. And truly, for me, I didn't know that Morning Gloryville would be the success it mm. was. Like it wasn't, like I felt like I really needed it and like was like really became quite revolutionary about it. But I, it wasn't something, I didn't think it was the thing that was going to get me from like you know close to homelessness to having a home mm. to like sorting out my money stuff to giving me structure and purpose when mm. I was you know really needing that to then you know giving me a team who then you know because obviously paid for a team who then helped me learn for the life in the UK test so that I could finally become Aww. a UK citizen so that I could finally have a passport wow. after eight years of being stateless you know so these are all things um yeah that I didn't realize would happen within mm. putting on one party at yeah. six in the morning but I love that and what I, what you said earlier about like it came from something you needed so there's such an authenticity it's like you wanted to go to that party you weren't like what do people want cool I'll put that on for you you're like I want to be at this party and I remember you saying the other day that you didn't even like you set it up so you could attend you weren't working on those days like you were you were partying you were receiving and so it makes a lot of sense that then that you got a lot more because you were nourishing yourself. Yeah, 100 million percent. And I try and like let a lot of other producers know this, is if you are a party 
maker and a party person you like I, I I know the stress and work that goes into like building these things up it's so important to enjoy it like because it's just those hours there's nothing worse than like your day festival or whatever like just like passing by you um and it happens yeah. so often you see people like burnt out by something they put on or you know even people's like in wedding days and they're like i haven't enjoyed my day mm. like that's you know what i mean yeah 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 <laughs> Um, was it uh, anyway yeah yeah was it with you that I, don't, I think maybe self-esteem oh getting married isn't the best day of your life all the days you get to have a big yeah 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 I really love that quote um, yeah and it was the same like it's the thing I realised with Morning Gloryville so whenever any event would happen I'd just make sure someone else ran the entire mm. thing and I would be on that dance floor having the time of my life and just hugging people and smiling and like yeah just getting all the goodness yeah. mm. I think that's probably why it was um, such a success for so long is that you could sustain yourself not you Within know it. And, you know it wasn't you weren't burnt out after the first event or the second event well although maybe you were <laughs> uh, actually we we were definitely tired yeah I remember um but we weren't tired um because of work, we were tired from how much energy we were emitting yeah, yeah, yeah. in that space. Like, you know, the dancing, the hugging, the the month of like planning, you mm. know, um, the fact that it then became a global movement and we were doing all this, you know, press and other activations around it. So it was like the day after our flagship event was like a day of rest mm. for us because it was like, it was always like a marker of like, oh, another month. Yeah. You know? um, and actually just taking the time to like integrate. It's like the shavasana of the event, right? It, yeah. Like, whew, we've done it. Yeah, and so yeah, many yeah. people forget to build that in as well. Like you have to allow your body to also just to enjoy, like soak up the goodness of it all and the memories. and. Totally, totally. I mean, one of the things I've always done is when I'm leading a team of women is like, you do not work on the first day of your period. You don't have to, mm. you know? And like, just like putting your cycles in a calendar yeah. and you know, all this. I, and I think this is all part of this, like us paving mm-hmm. um, new ways of being, you know, and being quite intentional about it. Um, like I do try and also like cancel things on that first day yeah, of my period. Yeah. Um, and it's feeling like it's all a lot more it's being a bit more normalised now, so... But I still... I try yeah. to as well, but I still find that I'm a bit, like, embarrassed to say. I, it's funny. It's mm. like, I still feel that there's a part of me that's, like, a 14-year-old at school being like, oh, I'm on my bleed or I've got my... Pre-. It's, like, so weird that it's still... Even though I think people get it, I notice that it can still feel odd. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think I'm just, like, I'm... I'm such a different person, not too different, but I'm so sensitive that I'm feeling a lot that I actually can't hide how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. So when I saw you a couple of weekends ago and we had this weekend together, I was just very much like, I can't deal with all these people. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think when I'm in that space, what I do love is that my boundaries are really mm. strong. Like this, I'm just a bit of a no shit person. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away from me. Um, yeah, things that don't feel good. I'm just like, no. You well, know? yeah, you don't. I mean, I said to you yesterday that I um, cancelled a coaching session to just have a nap, a nap all afternoon. And yeah. it's like, there was just my body was like, I can't do this. Like, there's, and it's not of service to anyone if I do this session. So, yeah, I feel like 
yeah I think when we do connect with our cycle we can it can help us be boundaried um yeah and I really admire that in you that you're really you, you do really say I just know it's like in a work context it still feels uh. an energy I think that's what I'm more talking about of like you know that if I were to like I think when did I when was it that I told some people and I just kind of saw them all like go oh I, I still have that yeah I yeah, think that's yeah. more what I meant I, I feel okay to talk about it with with friends and communities I'm in but it's yeah I just still notice that like to say I'm premenstrual or like I'm going to be on my bleed then feels edgy in like a corporate environment but and again this is the thing with the whole corporate environment thing and this is why we have to really keep bringing these like messages and conversations in um mm -hmm. because the thing is with that whole corporate environment it was created by men yeah. like capitalism and all of that was created by men um the same people who created the transatlantic slave trade the mm. same people who started globalization you know so all these like um cultures and ways of be behaving it does not come from you know, Sarah Wyler, you know, or, yeah. or Sam Moyer <laughs> type not, people. I would love to create that. But, mm. and, I, and I think that sometimes we um, aren't having enough conversations about actually how are we shifting the mm. way corporate is done so that it like works for modern times yeah. and that's so that we are the outcome of the work and our business communities mm. and culture is different yeah. you know um you imagine having like a kind of bleed standby facilitator for every project oh uh, yeah like, yeah because sometimes it, you know bleed you can standby, plan, you can plan in but sometimes you're a day or two late and it you know you have work on the day mm. but actually just being like oh no i'm gonna you're gonna have to use the standby mm. <laughs> but you maybe still get paid i don't know there's something but mm. i can imagine that would be really Mm, I love that. Yeah, like an understudy. I, I honestly, I think that's a really good thing, especially when you're in events yeah. and you know that sort of stuff. I think having a bleed standby that would be so future focused. You know, like, yeah. I mean, like taking feminine business to yeah. another level. Well, you watch know, watch this space, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you feel about sharing? about your decision to leave Morning Glory Ville? Yeah, um, yeah, I can. Morning Glory Ville always feels like my first child. Right. Um, who I had, who then like went to uni and went a bit wild. <laughs> and like, and, and, and as I- you'd hope, As, as you'd hope, hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I call her sometimes, but she doesn't pick up. I'm like, mm. but it's your mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so started Morning Gloryville from this place of like wanting sobriety and a change of lifestyle. Obviously had had incredible training like in, with events mm. and production and all of that. So I've always been really lucky and I always had incredible assistants who like got shit yeah. done. Um, because actually like everything I've ever done has not been like my work. <laughs> I yeah, always yeah. have to tell people like I'm not a great admin person. <laughs> so um, so started Morning Gloryville, did all of this, but then also just started hitting so many of my goals and targets. So six months in, stopped drinking, you know, a year in, stopped um, taking loads of, yeah, taking drugs, like, um, you know, got into yoga and meditation, like stopped smoking, like all the things that I wanted to do, I stopped. Um, but then also like on a more business and brand level, like 
the brand I creative directed, you know, Morning Gloryville and the name really like like placed it in incredible places like all the top venues like the Shard Somerset House mm. like um yeah like not just in London but in 23 cities around the world like um got like literally all my favorite DJs like Fat Boy Slim, Carl Cox. Was that the Fat Boy Slim one? Yeah yeah wasn't yeah amazing. epic wasn't it? Um you know Roger Sanchez just like every all these top DJs Mark Knight everyone who I absolutely loved like emailing us playing for me you know you know offering to pay play for nothing as well you know which was like really amazing um and yeah just kept hitting all these targets and these brands like um offering to support us because we were having like cash flows you know there was always a cash flow thing mm. um um but then also agreeing not to plaster their names on our events oh. and just have their products so things just like wow. flowed and work and worked and there was just like so much love and like yeah i don't know like i just felt like grace was working yeah. and like yeah um it was coming from such a good place yeah like truly <laughs> yeah 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 exactly coming from a really deep place um and um yeah and but then like you know come like year two year three year three you're in like 2016 by now is this yeah now we're in like 2016 and i just start feeling really tired um and i'm noticing like i'm always in fucking minus like the people who've copied our concept in america have raised like 500,000 no. and they they they've like bought our teams and like they're really copying and owning our concept and pretending that they came up with the concept whilst eating a kebab or whatever story they came up with you know all these like things were happening and like um and i know that like when you talk uh, well and it's also flattering haha it's also yeah. flattering when things like that happen but there are all these things kind of happening i'm in minus i'm not really understanding how business and things work mm. and how do you know what i mean and i'm doing this and i just start feeling a bit of fatigue um and luckily my creativity allowed it not to like not the brand to get fatigued mm. so mm -hmm. like i remember people always being like oh my god wow like you really know how to keep this going yeah. you know um and actually there was a trick in that um i think the cleverest thing i probably did with morning gloryville was you know generate all this like need like for the press to get our story but um but not take all the interviews all at once so i'd only mm. ever do one tv and one feature a month and that meant that we had bookings that's great you know so it's like um and that's something i always say to people so when it comes to press, think about why, like, yeah, like, um, yeah, because, yeah, you can be a one-hit wonder, that's great, but actually press is good for new business, for mm. um, for other things, you know. Um, then I'm, like, experiencing this, and then I'm also in this weird headlock. I'm basically, like, it's weird, because sometimes when I tell this story, sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not being victim-y, because I also had a really great time, and I really feel proud of it and everything, but I think, I I don't think I realised, nor did I express the multitude of things I was holding. Um, like, one, being a single director with something that became so global, like, so doing all the strategy and new business internally and also being the, you know, face of everything. Mm. So all of that. Um, 
yeah being the person sort of sort of responsible for it because also because it was such a different type of ship almost like a learning organization you know um like a and a weird incubator no one wanted to like co to be responsible for it either because okay. it's it's also quite a high risk thing um and i guess i'm quite a high risk person so yeah so it was just starting to feel all this like general fatigue mm. and then the fatigue was and and stress and then the fatigue was like leading to like depression mm. and then all the money stuff and then i was just like i need fucking help so like i got in touch with someone who i knew at virgin media and and another guy and they put me in touch with a couple of people and then we worked on like creating a sale sort mm. of environment um the only thing was that actually what we had decided was that they like they would sort of manage the company and i would transition out slowly and be a creative director mm-hmm. and so still have a creative role within it um however when that whole sale and transition went over it just didn't work out that way and so that was really hard for me because yeah it was just a lot it was more like it was a harder exit than i wanted it to be and i think when it comes to quitting and letting go of things like that's something i now help other people like think about is like how can you do things in a gentler way yeah. Um, because the way I had to or what happened just felt really hard and it brutal. was and brutal yeah. and quite disorientating to oh be God. honest um, and so you didn't have a choice I didn't really have a choice in the end um, but like so my spirit didn't want to hold everything yeah. and was feeling that but it was like I think the way it was done and again and this is why I just keep coming back to the way the corporate and business world like the principles it's founded upon it's like it just it just didn't feel humane kind of thing but what you weren't treated as a human in it no i didn't feel like there was the yeah i just didn't feel like yeah i just didn't feel like cared for and it just felt completely not aligned with the like with the brand yeah. and the thing I'd created and you know even in negotiating and speaking with these people like in the end I just did to have to walk away and it was probably it's like walking away from your fucking child yeah. because like you're literally like you fucking dicks like you are four fucking men like coming into this you have no fucking idea the levels of things that it got to get here mm. and you're thinking you can make this decision at a fucking desk like this and then somehow gaslight and try and put this under the cake table it is not okay mm. and so it's taken a really long time for me as a black queer woman to like really get my head around what was happening here and mm. also the fallout of the fact that I had to then step away from the whole community like that was like fucking hard it was so horrendous traumatizing awful and not many people can handle the truth of this but like when some of us are talking about the way that systems have been built and made 
and how they can be unsupportive for certain people. This is the sort of shit that happens in the world. And yeah, like, you know, I've had like people be like, oh yeah, there's a different story. There's another story. Yes, it's because cash flow and stuff wasn't going well and da da da. And I'm like, yeah, but I've always been fucking honest in throughout the mm-hmm. whole journey. And I think sometimes um, the powers that be and the systems that exist just know how to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Like they just know how to manipulate the law and information better like they just know how to work it and this is where I sometimes I'm just like oh god I just get a bit like overwhelmed by it all because I'm just like feel like an alien who's just been like put on this planet and I don't I don't understand how the financial system works and I don't understand how all this legal stuff works and I do find it hard I find it hard to stare at a screen for more than Mm. three days a week it doesn't feel natural fries my brain you know um but like yeah and I and I like all of this aside as well it's like I also do feel like without without seeing that and without experiencing that I wouldn't have then gone on to do all that work around decolonization and Mm -hmm. anti-racism and inclusion and I wouldn't have understood like very deeply just mm. how um how systemic yeah. some of these you know things are um you had to be involved in it in yeah. something that was so personal to you to realize how and, and it, i mean what i'm hearing from you is it almost you didn't realize until afterwards what happened it's like oh what hold on a minute and you're talking about like the care that you were imagining well, the care that you wanted as people got into clubs. And then I just feel, it feels so sad that, like, the care at the end was just so not there. Mm. Mm. You weren't looked after. No, no, no. And I didn't know how to look after myself. Mm. I didn't, and I think that's a really big thing. Like, I didn't know how to protect myself legally and everything in all this process. And I think yeah like something I've you know reflected on is how I very easily was like oh yeah you write the contracts and you come up with all of that because I don't really understand it you know pass on the responsibility just pass on the responsibility and then also needing to like own that of like oh shit I would not do that again yeah but also a good person making a sale might say yeah we could get away with this but also let's be let's explain and check she's happy with what what the terms are mm. like if you were actually doing things in a human way mm. you wouldn't always be trying to get, get out, go out to get people mm. Mm. so like yeah I see that you take responsibility for that and I also am frustrated that there wasn't more support for you to understand what was going on yeah totally I just I don't know I think I just wouldn't have yeah I just didn't expect it but it also like speaking to other like I've spoken to other founders and people who've mm. experienced this sort of stuff and I think what makes me really sad is that it's like, ah, oh, it's just something that happens. Okay. You know, and that's yeah. a whole other oh thing of like, oh God. And then you just have to, yeah. And actually, and that's this whole thing of like, okay, so when we're like moving away and quitting from things that aren't working or, or you know, wanting, yeah, wanting a new paradigm, etc. like, like 
there is a sort of acceptance of like we can't change yeah. everyone and the way they see the world and the way mm. they live life and as much as we I, I hope I do I don't sound like a Debbie Downer or jaded but um I read this book called The Holographic Universe and it'll always stay with me and in the holographic universe um, Michael Talbot's done research of like 6,000 people, 6,000 psychics or and people who see into the future. And um, all these 6,000 people saw the world falling in four categories, like in the Aquarius, in the Aquarian age. And um, those four categories were that there still were the sort of like, there was like all these people living like in a sort of, you know rebellious anarchic mm. kind of way there were people still living the sort of traditional corporate like blue chip way there were people who were like doing the whole digital like futuristic mm. like techie sort of life and then there was the the fourth group was people who were like living with the land and in harmony and mm. everything and it was interesting that all these people in you know separate to each other saw that the world fell into these categories and I think this then brings us to philosophy of duality Mm. and yin yang yan and everything of like yes we do want like change and things to be different in the world we do want new systems but actually is there always going to be polarity for us to understand like um, oh that's that resonates that Mm -hmm. doesn't resonate Um, absolutely the contrast we need the contrast to know that something's not right and I think that's, yeah, I often find when I have a difficult experience, it's like, it's horrible in the moment, but then afterwards, ah, what has that taught me about what I don't, how I don't want to live, or what kind of boss I don't want to have, or, and I, I imagine, although it, obviously I'm here, it's such a traumatic time, but I imagine you have like such a clear sense from that, of like how you want to run business or how you want to do things. I wonder if like clarity came from that. Yeah, I think for me, like, one thing is for sure is that, A, when creating any sort of business and brand, I do always want to have a co-founder and a second Mm. partner. So that's number one. Number two, I really, I know, like, I obviously I love all my guy friends and all of that, but damn, like, when you've got a bunch of men making decisions together i swear it's just like fucking cuntish <laughs> like i i i just think i just think we need more women yeah. teams leaders like at least you know at least a percentage higher i think there needs to be like more diversity mm. in decision making roles so everything i do now you may have seen my events and all that sort of stuff i just try and sort of be the change you wish to see yeah. so you know so now all my djs are female or mixed or um you know and now when i'm setting up teams like you know with the last thing i was doing you know making sure i have all the voices mm-hmm. in our culture represented in that you know now i'm sitting on a board and i didn't do this for morning gloryville like now i'm sitting on a board where it's majority women and mm-hmm. majority black people yeah. for an organization that's actually mostly white people. So, you know, all these mm. things, I'm just like really, um, yeah, so that inc- incident with Morning Gloryville, I really realized that I, I hadn't chosen 
um, people who reflected mm -hmm. the ethos nor understand understood like socio-economics and like privilege like they just didn't understand it The thing is with this story is I try not to share it or go into it too much because when I talk about it you can still feel the yeah, aliveness of the of pain and and I think it is like when something really big happens to anyone like you feel it for the rest of your of life um, but one thing I do like to remind everyone is just how much fun we had yeah. and just how good it was and how parties how like something so simple really did revolutionize the world and all of us like most all yeah all of us basically stopped taking drugs in the way we used to mm. you know like we all like started experiencing tantra and feeling and like <laughs> and you know and the real and something else beautiful about that whole morning gloryful thing is it kind of made wellness cool yeah. you know in a way that um, and that cross section between wellness and party exactly really yeah. yeah so you know i try and really like celebrate like the yeah all the beauty that came out of it the things that we learned from it but also the fact that really what no one saw was that like the whole global vision came from me looking after my uncle who was in hospital um, and he was dying and I was death doulaing him and like it was just this magical potent time where I was like starting Morning Gloryville looking after my uncle at night um, and on the on the news on the TV every day in the hospital whilst my uncle's bloody dying it's just like news of like wars and guns and everything yeah. and I just remember just thinking God, imagine if that was just loads of people dancing yeah. really colourfully and like all these joy warriors and that's literally all I was thinking. Oh. So it was really beautiful the following year to see all that press yeah. and everything like, yeah, just, just happen. Um, yeah. And I remember, um, you know, my uncle, like before he passed, um, like being like I have one gift for you um, and he said when you get home dance to this and it was Duke, Duke Ellington um, yeah. jump for joy Aww. you know jump for joy yeah so um, yeah so it's yeah I think the things I think about is just like god magic how mm. you think of this and then it happens there yeah. and you're like whoa I didn't think that was even possible or yeah. you know and so yeah, I really hope, like, more than anything, because people still ask me, please put on another Morning Glory mm. book because it's just not the same, you know, and I'm like, oh, just just remember the feeling, mm. remember what it did and seeing that transformation and, like... And, yeah, I've seen you take that transformation into what you do now and, you know, the secret beach party and the, the other things that you're doing, you know, I, in a way, like, you... Well, yeah, you were the spirit of the. You put the spirit in Morning Doryville, but that has stayed with you, and you can. You're putting that magic into lots of new things now. Yeah, I like that. Has been an interest. You know, that has been an interesting thing, and you're not the only one to say that. But it took me a long time to mm. see. Like it took me a long time to see that um, the sort of energy quality, ridiculousness. Um, 
and sort of like consistently sort of like trying to do some sort of system change yeah. is like quite like um prevalent mm. throughout everything um yeah um and I also, maybe slight provocation, but I wonder if, as a futures thinker, would there have been a time when you would have left Morning Gloryville anyway? Because now it isn't that, like, now it's not that forward thinking, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think this was also one of the things, is it is that I did want to, yeah. like, I did yeah. want to leave. I just wasn't ready to leave, and so I think I just, like... I wanted this sweet in-between thing yeah. of like, have your cake and eat it, you know? Um, and yeah, and I, and I genuinely think I just wasn't, I just didn't know what it would be like. So all things aside, me and those people aside, all this, you mm. know, stuff aside, but also working on something for five years having a very clear purpose, a very clear mission, a team around you, all of this sort of stuff, and then not having that is really like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> really disorientating. Because I went in as not only as Captain Hello Titties, but also as a producer who could do spreadsheets and sh things. By the end of that, like, your skill set really mm. changes, you know? So there's also all of that. And then, like, like having to like deal with the navigating of quitting and leaving yeah. and things changing like the fertile void and like being confused about things and mm. yeah I just kind of I'd forgotten yeah what that was like um what's the biggest thing that helped you get through that post MGV time yeah so I think what helped me get through that post MGV time it was it was nature it was nature the ocean mm. um it was being around like super gentle loving friends mm. um and it was lots of yoga lots mm. of yoga and um oh lots of pleasure i remember that being a really big part of the journey yeah. like yeah, I was talking to someone about that yesterday, just like how important like tapping into pleasure is when we're going through changes and like navigating and like, yeah, just like, um, yeah, wanting to like connect with your sexy mm. a little bit. Yeah, definitely connecting with my sexy. And actually, do you know what? And then I got excited about the fact that I had time Right. And then I yeah. was like, oh my God, I've got time. And, <laughs> and oh my God, I never have to wake up at like three in the morning to make sure that I'm somewhere by six in the morning. That's so true. You know, so that was a whole experience. And then going to other people's morning dance parties and like not having to run it. Like these were things I just didn't have time to do when I was like leading something. Mm. So, so that's been really fun. Like actually... Like, like learning how to live a more decelerated life, being, yeah, just like having these periods where I do just go and like do nothing for yeah. a month. All this is not things that happen when you're running yeah. a, a, a thing. And I think we forget the, like, I think sometimes we can look at people or some people would like look at me and be like, oh my God, but actually I didn't have a holiday for two years mm. at some point, you know, mm. like... 
Um, so yeah, and actually it's good for us to remember now when we're yeah. like, oh, what are we doing? What was our Maybe next we're thing? In, we're, in the we're like, oh my God, we've got time to fucking, to wallow about yeah. nothing and like, <laughs> be like, what's the next direction, you know? I know, well that's the thing, because I started my career as a teacher, the, for the first kind of probably five years, I woke up every day after I left and was like, oh my god I don't have to get up at six in the morning and it, it like it never got old that, mm. that, that joy that I could just manage my time and like I can lie in yeah 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 no but thank you so much for sharing that sound like you know I can feel like the aliveness with it still and I think yeah I think it's just I mean you know it's, it's almost incredible what you achieved and I also I'm so excited that in a way that you've got you know that you can be doing other things now because there's more magic to be had and I, we're probably coming to the end of the conversation now, but is there, I suppose, like anything that you want to share that you're working with right now? Anything you want to plug or just even voice into the universe? Yeah, I mean, as always, I'm always going to be doing my coaching and consulting, mm. so people can like look at that at samanthamoy.co.uk. But um, you know, you know, the next thing I'm doing, and I'm trying to be quite private about okay. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Um, yeah you know like follow me on instagram but i'm starting a new very exciting program at the end of this month of october and i feel like it's going to change the way uh yeah I, I've, I've got a feeling it's going to change my life so mm. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit i'm being a bit precious mm. about it yeah so. That's, mm. I, I love that you've yeah keep some stuff for you mm. quid and i suppose final thing if someone is running a company you know maybe it's events or even just something that they've set up that's come from the heart and they're thinking it might be time to leave like what is one bit of advice you would give them yeah I think what I would say is like um be aware that whenever you have to leave anything even with prep there's always a grieving period so make sure you put your comforts together so like where who are you going to be hanging out with where you're going to be going um maybe there's some new activities you want to be trying um and yeah just really create a soft space for your transition because um yeah you're going to be feeling things so um, it reminds me like when people have a breakup and the friends all gather and like right we're taking you out <laughs> Come over for a sleepover. <laughs> exactly, exactly, it exactly. It's a breakup, really, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I'm having that at the moment, actually. I'm just moving house, and I feel like, yeah, I felt the same, mm. like, leaving my community and, like, my house and my housemate. And, yeah, mm. it's like you kind of need to, yeah, put things in place to hold you, basically. Um, and we were saying before we started recording that even though there are tears or sadness it doesn't mean it's the wrong decision necessarily mm. it might just be that like oh wow yeah this is something big I'm letting go yeah 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 and again oh lord dear lord like trusting in that fertile void and void. and also you know something also I did realise is that if I hadn't let go of morning gloryville and walked away I, there wouldn't have been space for something new to come in and so sometimes even if you don't know what the next thing is you kind of need to let go of things 
just to make space, mm. you know, and I, and I think that's really the hard bit. And, and, and I think I mentioned this with you, to you, is like, one thing, one skill I'd really love to master is just like, like relishing the unknown mm. and not needing answers and just like really just being like, oh yeah, of course, I'm now in that unknown yeah. period where I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm okay with it. But yeah. there is something really beautiful about, like, not knowing and, like, oh, what? I wonder what it will be. Mm. Like, I literally don't know, and that's exciting. But I think we're so conditioned to think that unknown is, um, like, there's a problem. Or, like, you, why do you not have the answer? Like, or you've lacked, you're lacking focus or... I don't know, for me, that can come up in the unknown. Lately, I've been like, oh, my inner critic's really become louder in these last week whilst I'm letting go of the things and in the middle of the transition and then I was like why is this happening and then I realized it's because of all these expectations and it's and 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 then I'm like oh where do these expectations come from oh okay um you know not being good enough thinking that I should quote unquote Mm -hmm. be in a certain place and then you're just like ah I'm just doing the sort of like capitalism driving thing in my own head when actually I'm just living my life. When I'm in London and like I'm in this voidy space, it somehow feels a little bit harder because the the way this land, (laughs) this particular land is created is very nine to five structure. Great for busyness. Great for busyness. Whereas it's okay somehow my body feels like it's okay to go for a walk on the moors on a Monday and so and, and and then go to a sauna and there's absolutely no guilt. Oh um, my god, it's so true. And in those eighteen months when I was living in Devon, I had an office in Totnes. I would wake up in the morning, go for a little swim, like maybe a little walk, then go to my office, work on my laptop a bit, sometimes topless, because you know, you can in totness. Um, <laughs> topless, totness. To- topless, totness. And then, I'd, you know, at about three, I'd be like, oh, I fancy a swim, go for a little mm. swim. I, I do notice that there were just these things that I did and had no guilt about, because it was like, oh, in this environment, like it's okay to listen to my body but there isn't also that sort of competitive fast energy around um but yeah i think there's something about i think coming back to this like Mm. non-binary living non-binary thinking how do we create a little bit of both because it's very clear that um my body your body and a lot of other people are actually needing this multi so so it's not one or the other it might be that our children are in that more Aquarian yeah. way of living, but actually maybe we're the like the 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 lifestyle in between. Absolutely, I'm gonna call knowing when to quit this conversation. Yay! And <laughs> thank you so much, Sam, yeah, for being my guest. Thank you so much. Really it was lovely. lovely. And um, I think I'm gonna have my second slice of pizza now. Yeah, me too. Woo. Amazing. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks and, for listening. And yeah, yeah let's love you all. Go quit some things. Holy Bye. Always know exactly when to fall. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to get in touch with Sam and follow what she's doing, you can find her on Instagram at Mystic Moyo, which is M Y S T I C M O Y O. 
and her website to find out all about her coaching and consultancy work and all the cool events she's got coming up, samanthamoyo.co.uk. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode two. Until then, go well. Holding on, letting go is no exactly 